0: the reasons why we're going to do this this morning is, um, one, I want to encourage you that that, uh, one of the reasons why we gather together from different homes and different families, we come on a Sunday morning um, or whatever day we would end up doing it, Sunday night when we do the worship nights or whatever, um, we, we publicly declare the scripture, okay? When you look at Nehemiah, Um, And uh, they were rebuilding the wall, which, by the way, we are rebuilding the wall in the 253, you know, and and, uh, specifically in federal way for a lot of you guys, Northeast Tacoma. And so what we need to be doing is we need to be coming together. And what happened is different tribes and families read scripture aloud they did public reading of scripture it's declaring and so we'll have sometimes different families come and do it we're gonna have different uh, maybe maybe a, a guy or girl or whatever do it at some point but ultimately um we should be making this a regular thing so let's do it together and i'm gonna just read whatever's on the screen so it's on you steve and <laughs> right, here we go After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at the table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. We have the next one. Okay, so that disciple leaning back against Jesus said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is he to whom I will give the morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, what you are going to do, do quickly. Now, one of the one at the table knew why he said this to him. And then we're going to skip to another part of the scripture. It's just maybe like a handful of scriptures ahead. We'll We'll read this together too. Here we go. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not grow until you have denied me three times. Let's pray real fast. Lord Jesus, we believe your word has power. God, there's so much here that I don't think we could even remotely unpack everything. So God, I pray that even the public uh, declaration of the scripture and just coming from our own voices, God, will even do ministry in itself. Um, and Lord, that you will change our hearts as we realize how awesome you are um, and how um, and how powerful you are, even through the word. We love you. Amen. All right. It's really cool, guys. We actually have uh, just just this week. We had a uh, testimony of of a lady who, um, you know, the scripture reading that happened last week. Um, uh, Somebody, I don't remember who read it, but anyway, the there was somebody in in you know in the seats going, um, you know, I don't even remember your message at all, Justin. <laughs> But uh, but God really spoke to me through this one uh, thing of the word that was read, and so I'm just telling you, there's power in it. All right, we're going to look at two scenes of two different people, but a whole lot in common. They have a whole lot in common, and uh, you know it's interesting that 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 Justin Justin was in charge of giving me what scriptures I'm going to teach. We have like this order that we're trying to get through until we get to the the um, till Easter, really Good Friday and Easter, um, and so uh it's interesting cuz he gave this to me but he 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 kept probably like one of my most favorite thing away from me so he took the middle one and he gave me the top and the bottom of this whatever and but it's interesting because as i prayed through it and i did a lot of a lot of research and stuff what i realized is how cool these two stories um are when you look at them in tandem and you look at them in parallel um so I'm going to set the stage here. Who are these people? Well, what's, what's actually happening? Jesus, uh, one of the things I said was Jesus had intimacy and trust with these guys. Um, how do we see that? It says uh, that he dipped a sop. Okay, there's other versions that, that it talks about. He dipped a sop. That's actually what we do when we take communion. We dip it in the wine or the juice, um, the bread, and it gets all soggy and it's kind of nasty. But they loved it. Okay, they loved it back then. Um, I think it's nasty. Maybe some of you guys love it. Uh, anyway, but but that was something that only they did when uh, it was with somebody that they wanted to share the table with that was intimate, it was close. It meant something very, um, yeah, just really intimate, okay? And so I, I read this commentary. It said, uh, certainly in the Jewish culture of the Middle East, at the time of Jesus, a shared meal Uh, connoted a a level of intimacy between eaters. So there's this intimacy that's happening, which means what is he saying? He's saying, I trust these people. If you were to look in in a more humanistic way, I trust these people. And uh, and of course, you would think he trusts these people because it's the 12 disciples. He handpicked, you know, essentially to eventually go take on. The, the church and start what would be the biggest revolution ever spiritually and is still going today. By the way, just for some encouragement, we look around in the Northwest and we see how bleak it is. How churches are shutting their doors and that they're they're boarding up, they're selling them to uh, to clubs and bars and all kinds of things. You see that, especially in Tacoma and in Seattle and the more urban areas. Um, I want you to know that, that the Christian church is alive and well and growing like crazy all over the world. Mm-hmm. It does just because for whatever reason, our culture thinks it's not that important, doesn't mean that the rest of the world is saying, we have been starved of this. We need Jesus. Okay, so I want you to be encouraged first off God is doing awesome things. And so what happened on that day, um, well, what happened as he raised these guys up and sent them out, it did not, it seriously has not stopped. And it's only become more radical, to be honest. Actually, we do church super lame compared to the rest of the world, okay? There are people that are hiding from people that wanna kill them, okay? And we're worried that we're going to say something wrong, and we're going to be called on by some random person in town. I mean, seriously. So, I'm just calling us on on our junk, you know, on a, on our northwesty weird wokeness. Okay, it just is what it is. We need to stop. Okay, um, okay, so. One of the other things about his intimacy is that they were actually chosen. These were the people that he would choose to do a final meal. When we were talking about what we would wanna call this series, we said the last words, what was it? The last words from death row. Now I understand that um, people that are in death row, typically they, they deserve it. And there's all these things about it. And Jesus hadn't even gone into uh, incarceration yet and hasn't even gone through that. But, but you know, one of the things that that I feel like he's known for a while, obviously Jesus knows, but it has been ever since he started doing this ministry. I mean, he even says when he's sitting in this feast, he's telling them of what is going to come. He has put himself in incarceration by even being a human on this earth. Good. That's an incarceration. That's him deciding, I am going to now give my life. I'm going to end up being on death row and die. You know, so that's why I like the power of death row. I like the idea of that. It's kind of intense wording. But what? who did he choose and what did he choose to eat when he was going to have this final meal? And he chose to eat with these people. And then... Uh, Which, by the way, are a bunch of sinners, okay? So that gives us a little encouragement that he chooses to eat with us too, okay? Which we're going to talk about with that with communion later on. He chooses to share a meal with us, the same as he did with them. But another thing too is he chose to eat very specific things. He wanted to eat this kind of thing that you're going to, he's going to dip it in. Um, There's a good chance that it was not by the way, it's not wine in this situation. It's gonna be some kind of fishy broth that people say is really good, but the idea of fishy broth kind of seems gross to me. But anyway, it's something that they dipped and they ate, but they he actually dipped it and gave it to people. It came from his fingers. I mean, that's that's a trust that that like not only did he trust these people, but people trust, trusted Jesus, right? This was just Very important to know. So that is the stage. That's what's happening. So let's talk about who these people are. Who are these two people that we are looking at, okay? Let's look at Judas first. By the way, Jesus handpicked his disciples. So again, Judas was handpicked. It's hard for us to even think this through. Like he handpicked somebody that he would know would be the betrayer. You know, that's crazy to think. Judas... Let's talk about the good things about him is he was trusted with the money bag. Okay, Um, good with money, probably, I would assume if he was trusted with the money bag, you don't give, you know, a person who is has gambling problems, uh, the money bag typically, you know, Um, known to be. Uh, From a trusted family as well, Uh, there are some arguments on this, but the word Iscariot probably means a family lineage or somebody who um, is from a specific area. They don't really necessarily know the area that Iscariot is. So most people think of it as being more of a family line, which means it was important enough to say Iscariot afterwards, which means there was probably some trust in that family. If you look at some of the other guys, they don't have last names right they don't have anything so it's 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 of note that he's from these people or from this place so he's probably from a trusted family so this is like that that person who comes into your church that you know him from being a leader at another church and he comes to your church and like instantly within a month you're like you know what he should be our treasurer he should be the person who's taking care of everything because he's trusted we don't have to worry about him at all that's who judas was at least that's what was perceived of who he was. Let's look at Peter. Peter was a bombastic, loud-mouthed, questioning everything, do-and-ask-later personality. Okay? By the way, not the person you trust with a money bank. Okay? Not somebody you would trust uh, I guess you could trust him with your life, but there's a good chance that he's gonna do something really dumb and get you into a place where you're going to be in danger, okay? He's, he's the person who you take to uh, you know, uh, you know, at, anywhere in public and if he sees something that he doesn't like, he doesn't mind just saying his mind and you could get punched, you know? Like that's the kind of person he was. And so it's funny because as we know, because we know the end story, right? We know that the person who was trusted, the one who had all of these um, great traits was the one who betrays, the one who absolutely you, uh, he's a work in progress, okay? A serious work in progress. I don't know about you guys, but I've been a work in progress for a very long time. And my wife can attest to it, you know? She's still trying to figure out things I do all the time. She doesn't understand it. Um, And so this is who Peter is. So now let's look at who did they end up being? Okay, so we just talked about who they were. Let's say, who did they end up being? Judas ended up becoming a betrayer. Obviously, we know that because it actually says that whoever's going to betray me, you know, says it in the scripture we just read. But another thing is um, he was almost undetectable. Okay, so he was a betrayer, almost undetectable. I say almost because there is a section in one of the gospels where it talks about that he would take money from the thing and people knew about it. So, uh, but this even makes it even more flabbergasting to me um, is the fact that Jesus, because he's God, I always say because he's Jesus, he knows everything. But even in his human understanding of things at that moment, he probably knew that he was taking things from from the bag and he still let him be this person, this trusted person. He didn't they didn't change. They didn't do a church discipline or any kind of like, you know, oh, you're, you're grounded from the money bag for a little while. There was nothing like that going on. You know, it was literally I'm OK. I mean, he didn't say this. We don't hear this from Jesus, but we just know that that, that he, he was already kind of doing some things. But he was almost undetectable. There's a good chance that most of the disciples had no clue that he was this person. He became greedy. He became a thief. He became a liar. He became selfish. Peter, who did he become? He became the denier. You look at him as being the one who denied Christ three times. But you could have seen it a mile away. You could have seen it from a mile away. Like you, like this is a guy who who absolutely needs a lot of work and a lot of help. So you could see him doing something like this. Who did he become? Prideful. He talks big. He became overconfident. Well, he was always overconfident, but he was talking big. He's quick tempered, overall not self-controlled and selfish. How do we look at the talking big? Think about this. When Jesus actually uh, does talk to him a little bit more about this whole, you know, denying or whatever, he says, no, I'm not going to do that. I would never do that. You know, like he was overconfident in his own abilities. So how we're going to dissect these four or these two parallel stories is in four ways. We're going to look at it as how sin is seen by God. Because this is how this kind of helps us see how sin is seen by God, what sin can do to you and did to them, how sin is redeemed, and then at the end, how salvation is received. And I think this is how we can apply these two stories. So let's look at number one, how sin is seen by God. So God sees sin very much like betrayal and denial. Okay? He sees it as a betrayal of trust. He trusted Judas with his life. Jesus trusts you with his church. Think about that. Like Jesus trusts you with your son or your daughter, with your wife, with your husband. Trusts you. And he says that our money, when we take care of our own money, like we were just talking about finances and stuff, he's like, you, you need to be a good steward. He trusts you even with your own money. He trusts you. And when you choose to do things that are not trustworthy, you are betraying him. You're betraying his trust. And this might be a little morbid because I'm going to just talk to you guys about a bunch of things you guys mess up on and I mess up on. But what's great is we will talk about how we are redeemed and how Jesus saves us. Um, So betrayal of trust. Another way that, that sin is seen by God is by denial of truth. Think about this. Jesus is who he says he is. And yet Peter denied who he was. When we choose to not say something when we were supposed to say something. And I'm not talking about like you prayed and you have a conviction and God says, okay, this is not the right time to say something and that kind of stuff. That means you're actually at least pursuing God. But there are many times where we sheepishly decide not to say something. And I, as everybody has their own scenario with this, and uh, I decided not to go down deep talking about what modern denial of truth is, but there's a whole lot of it. actually, we are denying truth on a regular basis um, as a, of course as a, as a society we're doing it all the time we've made up our own truth okay and which we talked I talked about that when I talked about love um, during Christmas time, how we 've invented a new love it's not the same love that God created on. Uh, in the bible so we need to realize that when we choose to not say something when we choose not to do something that god told us to do then we're actually saying i don't think you're true enough i don't think i don't think what you're telling me is actually going to do what i what i think it should do right like um there's there's many times in, in, in my life and in my marriage that that, you know, my wife has given me some kind of advice and I just didn't take the advice. And it doesn't mean that I thought that she was dumb, but it's just that I thought that I I knew I knew what was going on and I didn't listen. And then, of course, it proves that I was wrong and she was right. You know, that happens a lot with with marriages and um, it's just one of those things. What I just want you to know, Jesus is always right. Like there's a chance that my wife could be wrong, right? There's a chance that I could be wrong when I give an advice. So give advice with caution. But ultimately, Jesus never gives advice that is going to fail, right? He is the truth. So denier, uh, denial of truth, that's how God sees sin. Another thing that he sees sin, which we see from these scriptures, is partnership with darkness. When you sin, You are partnering with darkness. You are partnering with the enemy, with Satan, with the devil, with demons, whatever, however you want to look at it. But I like to look at it as darkness because it talks about principalities of darkness. It doesn't necessarily always say Satan. And actually, really, you don't see in the Bible anywhere else. I think there might be one other place, but um, you don't really see the words, Satan entered into him, except for when you see it with Judas, which means this is a pretty intense thing. Um, If you look at one of the other gospels, it actually doesn't say that he entered in, and it says that he came upon him or was influenced by. So that's kind of debated on exactly what's happening there. But ultimately, either way, however you look at it, it's a partnership with the enemy, okay? And we look at this, we can see this not only with Judas... John 13, 27, which we read, which says Satan entered into him. But we also see it with Peter, which is crazy because you would think, oh, yeah, well, Satan entered into Judas. That's why he did what he did. And he wasn't redeemed and he wasn't forgiven. And he, you know, all these things. But actually, this happened with Peter as well. In Luke 22, 31, it says Satan demanded to have you. That's what it said. He was uh, You know, this was uh, this was Jesus telling him, saying that Satan demands to have you and test you, essentially. Okay, so I want you to know you probably don't fit in the category as Satan entered into you. Okay, I, I hope that that's not the case. And I don't even know what that would look like. Okay, but I will say that there's a good chance in some time of your life that Satan wanted to have his way with you. He demanded to have you. Actually, I want you to know that Satan demands to have you now. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to destroy your decisions. He wants you to make horrible financial decisions. He wants you to um, decide to, um, you know, just live a life that isn't godly. Like that's what he wants. He wants to change uh, the way that you're thinking. And so that's one thing that I wanna pray for just in general. And please, you know, join in with me when we're praying because we actually have a text thread praying for marriages right now. Like it's it's we have a time where uh, especially just the way that the the social and the and the the way that Northwest is is it's not great to be married. It's actually way better not to be married unless you're same sex and they really want to be married. You know, like it's different, but they literally. 100% don't want us to be married. They don't want us to have any kind of, um, you know, uh, normal, you know, family life. Like that is not something that our culture wants, okay? And so, by the way, that is Satan saying, I demand to have your marriage. I demand to have your family. I want your family to choose. I want your kids to choose the, the world, the school, what the school is teaching. I, I, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. So, that is one of the things, partnership with darkness. Okay, let's look at number two, what sin can do to you. So, I just talked about how sin is seen by God. What can sin do to you? Well, we see this very specifically with with Judas. We see shame, we see guilt, we see sorrow, and ultimately, we see death. We see death. Now, with Judas, it was a physical self. It was a physical death. But I just want you to know that you guys have every there's there is a chance at some point, if you're not careful. That you could also have a death spiritually. I actually believe that you could have a death spiritually without even completely saying no to God. There is there is an actual this might be a little intense and you guys can ask me questions later on. But really, in the end, um, there are people sitting in our churches all over that say they love Jesus and all that kind of stuff, but they have denied the Holy Spirit in their life many times. They've said, no, I still want to continue to do this. I still want to continue to see this person. I still want to continue to, you know, gamble my money away or fill in the blank or whatever. I still want to do this. They might sit in church. They might do it that, and they haven't given up on the fact that they know that church is a good place and it makes me feel better. But ultimately, they are dying spiritually. They're committing spiritual suicide. Okay? So this is not about whether you lose your salvation or not lose your salvation. This is about more... About whether or not you are allowing God to do the regeneration that He needs to do, and it's a constant regeneration; it's not something that happens one time. If you were that person who raised your hand in church and said, "Jesus, I want to say yes," and you went up to the you went forward and you said yes to Jesus, that was really cool and a really special moment. But He's actually asking you to do that every morning of your life. He's asking you to do that every single time something faces you. It's good. There was a really great quote from an elder this week that, um, it, was, uh, it was actually um, an elder, what were we doing? A development. Development, elder development. You guys have all these words that I don't use, so elder development. <laughs> anyway, um, he said, you know, something to the effect of that we are entrusted with troubles. We're entrusted with troubles. And that's because and why James, you know, so much of James exists in a lot of ways, especially in the beginning chapters, is to tell us that we are going to have to deal with these things. Persecution. We're going to have to deal with problems and troubles. But it's how we handle those troubles and problems is what is going to ultimately uh, mature us and grow us and make us even more of somebody who um, God wants us to be, right? And so um, there are a lot of people that get those troubles and they just decide, I'm not gonna fight anymore. That's, the, the more times you say, no, I don't wanna fight anymore, the closer you are getting to committing spiritual suicide, okay? That's what sin can do to you. I know that all of us have felt shame, guilt, and sorrow. Those are very simple things. Um, When you make a mistake, you feel guilty. Um, Now, how sin is redeemed. That's number three. How is sin redeemed? I just talked about the bad stuff, the, the, the stuff that we all go through. Honestly, you might today be going through some guilt and shame right now because you've done something or that you've been living a certain lifestyle. That is very possible. And... I guess I could end there and say you're committing spiritual suicide, but that would be really depressing, right? Um, what's awesome is actually the gospel's good news, by the way. It's good news. The gospel is, is that there is an answer to this problem. And the answer ultimately is how is sin redeemed, paid at the cross by the blood of Jesus? Amen. Seen at the cross, but also at the Last Supper with communion, which we're going to talk about then when we do communion. This is actually what he's talking about right now. What he's what he's um, he's going through a rhythm that he's encouraging us to go through as well when he has this Last Supper. And this rhythm is. Remind yourself and remind others that you love and your family, the closest, the most intimate people that you have, remind them that the gospel is for them, that Jesus died for them and Jesus died for me. Why? Because we need the gospel every day. Doesn't mean that you have to get saved every day. That's not how that works. You need the gospel every day. You need to be reminded that that sin, that shame, that sorrow, that guilt, all those things that you feel after making a mistake or doing something is redeemed. It's not something that you now have to try to make up for. So that's one paid at the cross by the blood of Jesus. The next one is going to be something we see in the scripture as well. Unconditional love. Jesus died for both of them. There wasn't a condition that he died. I mean, he did not like, I'm dying for Peter, but I'm not dying for Judas. Okay? Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that Judas went to heaven with bells on. Okay? I have absolutely no clue. I'm not God. Okay? There's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, debate about whether he could have gone to heaven or if he did go to hell. But that's not the point. Um, he was very... He, he made some decisions at the end of his life. That makes you think that he could not bear to be... Um, th- that, he, that he didn't want restoration and redemption. So that's kind of the view that I hold on that. But ultimately, what happened is something we need to remember. Is that Jesus died for both of them. It's an unconditional love. So we now get to celebrate the fact... That you guys have been loved without anything that you could ever do. Mm. That is how sin is redeemed is by Jesus and Jesus alone. Yeah. 100%. Number four, let's look at how salvation is received. So I wrote down a couple of numbers on this because I feel like this is a little bit more than you need to unpack. But at the simplest form. Jesus saves you, and you don't really have to do anything, right? But ultimately, there are some reminders that I wanted to remind you of. I have, I have like a, the, the what you shouldn't do, and then I have what you should do kind of thing, okay? So how salvation is received, it's not received by your own strength. Just remember, it's not by your own strength. So you screw up, you mess up. Yes, in some sense if you screw up, you should you should admit that issue and you should try to deal with that issue, but don't think that because you've buttoned up all of your issues and made everything good with everybody that all of a sudden you saved yourself. You 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 kind of you were able to hide it under the rug from God that you actually did anything, you know? Like that's not going to happen. Because God knows everything. So it's not by your own strength. And also, it's really exhausting. It's really exhausting trying to every single day go, oh man, I messed up, I gotta fix this, gotta fix this. It's like buying a fixer-upper house, okay? (laughs) Which by the way, I did, and it's brutal, okay? It's, It's literally on Saturday, or was it Friday? Anyway, one of the days, I wake up that morning. I'm like, I'm going to tear out my bathroom. I'm going to do this, and we're going to, you know, whatever. And I get in there, and I try to do this plumbing thing. And all of a sudden, everybody hears from the bathroom, oh, my gosh, I can't stop it. There's so much water. You know, I broke a pipe, basically. And it's like, whoosh everywhere. I mean it's just the worst thing possible. And I literally had a moment of water shooting at me and I'm like, I don't even know what to do, God. I have no clue. Right? So I get upstairs and now I'm like, I've got to go find my turn-off, you know, or the whatever, the, the city main. And so I'm looking around, looking for everywhere. I can't find it. So I have to go ask my neighbors. And my neighbors are know it alls. I've already gotten to know them and they wanna know everything and they they, they they know everything about everybody. So I kind of don't want them to know that I'm really horrible at, like, house (laughs) stuff. I kind of want to hold that whatever. But anyway, I had to go beg them for, like, a tool and all these things. And I had to ask the other guy, where is my city main? I can't find it. And, of course, it's under, like, a huge layer of grass. You know, like, this person did not mow their lawn ever in their life. So anyway, I find it. I turn it off. And, um, of course, we got water everywhere. It's crazy. And um, that is, like, like. Every single time you try to fix a problem, you're actually going to cause more problems if you do it with your own strength. That's what's going to happen. And I personally, um, I have too many for me to pay for. I got too many for me to try to fix on my own. So you cannot do it by your own strength. Um, I wrote down a few things. Peter was known as strong, but Jesus said to him, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. Sifting wheat is not a laborious task that only the strong can perform. It may take time and it may be tedious, but it's not labor intensive. And using this metaphor, Jesus is cautioning Simon not to rely on his own strength because it would be an easy thing for Satan to entice him to fall. So it's in the end, it's like you can do everything you can with your own strength, but ultimately Satan's bigger but Jesus is bigger, amen? Like, that's, that's the truth. That's the gospel, is that Jesus defeats the one that can defeat us and is wanting to defeat us. And honestly, it's not always him. You're actually kicking your own butt, too, sometimes, okay? Let's just be honest. We, we, we beat our, our own selves up all the time. Okay, so it's not by your own strength, but by repentance and admitting your weakness, that is one way that you are receiving salvation. So you're realizing you can do it on your own, but I recognize that I did it. But not there's more. It's more than recognizing, but it's actually admitting that I'm unable to fix this problem. I'm, I'm, I'm unable to pay for my own sins, do the things that I need to do. Mm-hmm. Number two. It's not by just a realization of failure. That's something important because we see this with Judas. It says that Judas felt, this is a a Greek word, meta, I always mess this one up, meta-melithius. Meta-melithius. Anyway, good luck. Change of mind, that's what this means, or remorse. Judas felt the change of mind or remorse. Okay? He, he, he did. There was a realization that he made the mistake. And I've changed my mind. This is a bad idea. But it wasn't just realizing it was a bad idea. It's calling upon Jesus when the bad idea is now realized. Right? So it's not just realization of failure, but by the realization of the victory of Jesus. Okay? That's, let's, let's go to number three. Not by words or speaking it into existence. We see this as well in this. Jesus gave them both a chance to repent before they sinned. Peter specifically said everything you'd want to hear to believe he would not fail. Okay? So not by words or speaking it in existence, but by actions that only faith can bring. So when you believe that God has done it, then out of that you go and try to repair or try to do whatever you need to do. It's not because you can say, I'm not gonna do it. So I want you to know that you cannot, there are right now, I mean, this is a problem. I actually like this, we're gonna do an app, okay? We're working on the app. And I have a suggestion, we have not decided to do this yet, so I'm throwing that out to the elders so they don't go, what's happening? But I wanna have a section on this app that says, Things that Soma likes, okay? And literally have a spot where we have podcasts that we say, yeah, you can listen to this podcast. You can read this kind of stuff. You can do this. Because I'll tell you what, right now, that is the Wild West. You could listen to anybody you want, go to a great church, and all of a sudden you completely deconstruct it because that podcast somehow is more important in your life than the people of your church. And so I want to have a spot where we are actually saying, "Hey, we've filtered through some of these things these are good okay it doesn't mean you can't go listen to bad stuff you can still do that if you want like you can listen to any you know hip hop music you want to listen to or whatever I'm not telling you not to do that but ultimately we're going to encourage you this stuff that you that we believe is good stuff okay um, anyway, the, the reason why I say that is because there are there are preachers out there right now that are are saying you can speak things into existence. You know, I don't want to just throw people under the bus, but there unfortunately there are pieces of churches like Elevation Church there are where they will say from the pulpit. That you have control over how your, your, you know, your mental health is. You have control over it. And you just have to speak it in existence. You just have to, you know, and there's a lot more of them out there. Um, and I just want you to t- tell you that it, we have to remember that we have no control over that. We only have control over what we do when we come to the Lord. That's all we have. We can just say, God, I messed up. And I need your strength. Because I'm weak. I can't do it. Not, I'm going to speak this into existence. I can do this. You know, I have a friend right now. And I'm going a little bit long. But they, there's a, there's a, he, they ha, he had a video. And he goes to a great church, by the way. Just want you to know. Great church. I love this church. Preaching great things. This guy is in the mirror. And he's taking an Instagram of him in the mirror. And he's like, you are awesome you are great, you can do this. Like, he, you know, really pumping himself up, right, okay? And I don't think, I think that's a bit arbitrary, okay? I'm not saying you can't pump yourself up if you really need to, but when that becomes your mantra over praying to God, saying, I'm a sinner and I need a savior, then you've got it all messed up, okay? So encourage yourself all you want. Some of us need encouragement, okay? And by the way, encouragement is a gift of the Holy Spirit. So if you're not encouraging people, you're failing, actually, at being, you know, spirit led. You know, you should be encouraging people. Okay. Not by words or speaking in existence, but by actions that only faith can bring. And we see this when Peter jumps out of the boat. John 21 7. That is an action of I don't care what anybody thinks. I want to get close to the Lord. And I want you to live your life jumping out of the boat. I want you to say, God, I have screwed up. Because, I mean, this wasn't the first time that he saw him, but basically the first time where he could probably really have a deep conversation with him. And he just wanted, he did not care that he denied him three times. He realizes he messed up and he jumped out of that boat wanting to be close to him. So I'm going to close now. Jesus died for both of them on the cross. That's just something that you need to remember. And I'm going to remind you, it's betrayal. And it's denial. These also can be looked at bold decisions to go against God. And then denial is fear and questioning whether God is really who he says he is. We do this all the time. I just want to be wanted to remind you guys. Let's 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 jump into communion.